pool. So I'm sitting by the pool drinking my hot cafe mocha reading the Talmud the other day. Oh, yeah. Ooh, la, la. And do your dirty work of going and complaining to yeah. somebody for you ain't going to happen. No. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have baby. to be excommunicated uh-huh. in a relationship. And, and stuck in a basement. This message Suck. stinks. <laughs> There's explicit yeah. right there. Welcome to the club of the initiated man. You better not be recording this or I'm never walking with you again. Oh, there we are. got a sassy brunette. You know, do something. Do, do something. anything, but just don't sit there. Hey, don't you have something better to do? You've stumbled on the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast from Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, where we discuss hiking, culture, life, theology, running, stories, West Africa, books, you name it. Well, welcome back to the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast. We got Tom Marshall with us on Skype again How today. Are How are you surviving the apocalypse, man? I tell you, the apocalypse means absolutely nothing to me. Yeah, that's kind of where <laughs> I'm at. I'm not. I'm not panicking about it at all. I'm taking my precautions, but but where I'm at about it is, is if this takes me out, oh well, I'm I, whatever. I'm ready. I got life insurance, and my wife can find a better man. So I don't think I'm. <laughs> okay, there there is that part of me. You do live on the west end of the island, and and really, there's not much there. So yeah, no, well, there was never anything to do even before this. Really, that's why. That's why I do so much hiking and stuff <laughs> uh, you know you know what i'm kind of wondering uh the uh, uh the next episode not not for this broadcast but uh that i have scheduled up at the time we record this project podcast is less dr les harden from florida uh, johnson yeah. university and uh anyways you'll, you'll notice how i've been using this new intro w- with him and yes. the outro man and i'm thinking i i never asked him for permission to pull all these clips out and i hope that well, I think should have he's okay on show on a regular basis well i think so you know what i, I i'll bet you ten dollars if you called him up today and got him on skype he'd he'd uh he'd be right here for a podcast today he was pretty excited about that would. And it was great to talk with him too. I mean, that, that, that was a very interesting podcast. So we, we got to do when that. When he man. Uh, went home, he told me that, uh, after he flew first off, Canada was more than happy to get rid of him. Oh yeah. Cause you know, he's from the States. Right. But when he landed in Orlando cause he lives, uh, in the Orlando Kissimmee area. Uh, when he landed, I guess the airports were just packed with people trying to get out you know, they were leaving Disney and trying to get back home. Right. And he said that, you know, when he flew down, there was hardly anyone on the plane. But when he got there, everyone was trying to leave. And so it was kind of like when uh, the hurricane season hits, you know, everyone's trying to leave Florida. Yeah, that would be <clears throat> something else for sure. So I'm just glad he got home safe before everything shut down. And it's a big issue anyway. Well, well today we're yeah. going to talk about, uh, well, I had mentioned the, the, the first Corinthians 9, 20 to 23 passage to you uh, before the show started. But, you know, the idea there where Paul said, you know, to the to, to a Jew, I become as a Jew, and he states the reason, you know, like, why do, why do I do that? To a Jew, I become as a Jew. And he says, uh, you know, that's to introduce Jesus to them. Um, you know, he, uh, in order, you know, that Jews can hear about Christ. And then he says to those outside the law, as I become as one outside the law. And then he says to the weak, I become weak that I may win the weak. And he says, I've become, and, and notice the word all, this is the thing that blew my mind. I have become all things to all people that by all means I shall save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them 
in its blessing. And the word all just keeps going up over and over and he keeps repeating. And the reason yeah. for this, the reason for this is that I might reach them, that I might reach them, that I might re reach as, <clears throat> as many as possible. And, you know, he mentions the Jew, he mentions the Gentile and then the weak, which is a socioeconomic term, I think, because the weak would be the uneducated, the poor, the non-elite right. class, right? And so, so it's like he he's 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 looking at the people around him and saying, "What do I need to do to reach a Jew?" Okay. And here's the funny thing: remember, in Galatians, he told the Galatians, "If you let yourselves be circumcised uh, for like for a salvation purpose, if you think that you are not saved by Jesus Christ alone and His death, burial, and resurrection." Um, and you're being circumcised as to somehow you think that merits you a salvation that nobody else can have without circumcision, uh, you know, cut the whole thing off, cut the whole wiener off. That's what he, that's basically what he's saying. Yeah. And, uh, not to be graphic. Did you just say wiener? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want me to say the real term and I'll have to explain or put explicit on this podcast, you know, cut, cut. No, the I, I just thought it was yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but yet then, uh, when he was going or when he called in Timothy to come with him to walk, you know, uh, walk with him, um, to, uh, go and minister and reach Jews that Paul was talking in synagogues and he was talking and approaching yep. Jewish people. And of course, you know, a Jewish people, if you weren't circumcised, you were unclean there. If you weren't circumcised, there was places you were not permitted to go, um, and, and be, and you know, at the temple, they had a guy standing at the door that, that checked people to make sure they were circumcised because no uncircumcised people were allowed to walk in there. And I don't want that guy's job who has to check. Right. And, uh, but yet Paul, you know, he circumcised Timothy. Okay. Just, just pause for a second. Go ahead, man. So you're saying that they basically have a room off the synagogue <clears throat> where they check. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> well, they, uh, oh, you tell me they did that for the temple, but I'm sure that Paul would, would Timothy have ever gotten into a synagogue as a, as a, I don't know. Historically. I, I don't know. I well, I think first off, the communities were small enough that they knew who everyone was. Well, not like, not as an outsized traveler, though. Like, I mean, he's traveling from from village to village with Jews. They don't know this kid. Exactly, but like when they first did it in that area, everyone knew who Timothy was in the area. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. you yeah. know that's you know when they did circumcise him, it was definitely for the people in that area that knew yeah. him. Yeah, that's that would um, be for sure. Yeah, but uh, but once they you know <clears throat> once they got to Europe to Philippi and in Corinth and that, well, no, that's, but I think how people talk, you know, you can, you can figure stuff out pretty quick. Mm. Um, you know, those little, little cues and stuff, even, even, you know, uh, Jewish people, uh, visiting the, the Jewish store in Rome, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wanted to, you know, at least connect with the person. And I said, Shalom to him immediately. He's like, are you Jewish? And I said, no, but you know, I, I respect and, and, and all that, but like I instantly had a friend if, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think wherever you go there, there is that we all have a code if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could tell if someone's okay just based on, you know, how they act and stuff. Yeah. Like you can tell someone's a minister and is in ministry if you listen to them, you yeah. know, the lingo and how they respond to stuff. Yeah. I, I was at a graduation for, uh, I believe it was my sister. Um, I can't, no, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was for Ted. And, uh, when he graduated from his, uh, his, his, you know, his, uh, 
air, air jet air, air engine turbine course or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was a, probably about six, 600 people at the graduation service for the, for Holland college, because it wasn't just his class. It was all the other classes. And, and, uh, anyway, we we're in this crowd and I'm sitting there with my wife and just looking around and there was this guy sitting up front and, and, and he wasn't wearing a suit, but you know, he was, he was spiffed up and the hair greased, burl creamed back and, and, uh, well, I don't know if it was burl cream, but it kind of had that look and he got, he stood up and then, you know, and he stops to talk about four or five people in 10 feet on the way down, you know, people sitting down and then he's walking down the aisle through the crowd, you know, and, and there's somebody waves at them, you know, and he puts the hand up and he waves over to them and, you know, he points, yeah. the, f- points the finger at this other guy who's, you know, or somebody on the other side, you know, points the finger to them, like, you know, to acknowledge that they saw him or whatever, or I see you. And I said to myself, I said, if that fella isn't a preacher, I'll absolutely, I said, I, I was a preacher long enough to know a preacher just by the way they behave and act in a crowd. And anyway, yeah. I just said that to myself. And then my mom leans over to me about, oh, maybe 10, 15 seconds later. And she goes, oh, by the way, that's a minister of the Pentecostal church. And I'll not tell yeah. you where. And I said, oh my gosh, I knew it. I just, and I almost yeah. laughed out loud. Eh? So, but, uh, but I'm um, anyway, I mean, there's, there's, there's that where you don't really fit in. And then there's Paul, you know, to a Jew, I become a Jew to a, to a Gentile. I become like a Gentile and, and you know, they're not talking about taking on their sins of their culture and, and, and no, uh, no. anything like that. By the way, I'm trying to get mm. to that page. Um, I have it in English, but I wanted the interlinear. Mm. And my computer is, is, it's not letting me. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you noticed uh, this, this so far in this episode, our, our, our internet is slowly getting very sucky here. Mine is anyway, you're not cutting yeah. out, but it, there is a, just a little delay there sometimes, but it's, it's still pretty smooth. But, uh, but you know, like, like when Jesus came, how did he, how did he, uh, approach people? You know, he came. And uh, says, and he dwelled among us. Literally, the Greek is he pitched his tent among us. The idea of he rubbed his shoulders with us. And this is this is what Paul. I think Paul's getting at in Corinthians here. And and it and you know we as missionaries uh, we're talked about this idea of of how to identify with the local people. Uh, you know, you fit in. It's not to go and set up a little mini America or a mini Canada uh, sanctuary in the midst of a city where you you know where you're where you're still. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You got to do what you need to do to be mentally healthy in another culture. But, but you know, if 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 all we're trying to do is re- recreate our own culture in a new place, where and and surround ourselves with with expats from North America or Europe or whatever yeah. else, we go like that's not how you go on mission. And, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying you have to go native, uh, you know, there's people who do that and they yeah, burn out, but do you I th- think you should, if you're going to go to a different <clears throat> culture and if you're going to actually try to, to reach that culture with mm. the gospel, I think first off you have to become, uh, I don't know. I forget where I heard it. You're basically like a little kid mm-hmm. in their culture and you spend probably the first couple of years as a little kid. Yeah learning everything about the culture yep. before you even speak. Yeah. Because if you speak <clears throat> and you say stuff that just doesn't fit, well, first off, you could destroy an opportunity yeah. because of ignorance. Yeah. But if you take the time to learn the nuances mm-hmm. of a culture, yeah. to learn what it's all about, and then the, you you will discover yeah. there's probably something there that God has already planted that you can take mm-hmm. advantage of yeah. that 
if you spoke too quickly, you probably would have destroyed. But also, you're showing respect to the people because yeah. you're not there to save them yeah. or, you know, yeah. uh, what's the... Um, fix their problems. Yeah. I'm the People educated Westerner who's coming here to talk to you as from a superior uh, position, you know, to people who are making a dollar a day. And you know, you know what the, 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 the best way to forget that is, is, uh, just, uh, here, I'll, I'll just go ahead and pause it and then I'll bleep, bleep it out and caring and talk to you. So, uh, you know, I know when we were in Mali, the idea of going as a learner, um, one of the things that uh, Lynn and I did was we just went and greeted everybody down a road. We'd walk five, about four and a half, well, this wasn't five kilometers, but four and a half kilometers to the market every day. And we greeted right. every little commerçant down the side of the road. And they just lit up every day. And we had 50 or 60 people that come out to greet us every day when we walked to the market. It would take us hours to get to the market. But here's the thing, right? They're used to important Westerners not stopping to talk to poor people. And here exactly. we were trying to greet them in their language, absolutely massacring it. And they're laughing at us, but they didn't know they could the first few days. And I'd say, you know, right. am I saying it right to them in French? And they would help correct it, you know, air bambar or whatever. And, uh, and so they became our teachers. And so we, you know, we weren't the superiors. Um, they were, um, you know, they were our equals. And so we were on the same level. It was, it was the most extraordinary thing I'd ever seen. So, uh, so, you know, I agree with you. I think when you open up to people and show that you're not the top dog, mm -hmm. that you're humble and, and you're willing to learn people all of a sudden they just and they and if you try first off if you try to speak in their language even if you butcher it it just shows that you care yeah and immediately things change yeah and i think it opens doors you know i think i think you know that that's our thing is here in the west we think we have to have uh, the power and the pedestal in order to gain well, you, hearing you go and in it and you think you know everything and uh -oh. like culturally for the example, you were talking about, you know, there is that, that teaching where one village gives a baby to another village as a peace child. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to get that by just coming in and start talking to people and doing things. No. Until you actually know who they are, what they're about. And, I mean, even even in a, a non mission context even mm. in if you have a group of friends and you join in the group but you don't know the dynamics of that particular group you're going to mess up yeah and, and, and until you until you know the group well yeah. then you know because you could say something stupid yeah well i mean that would be a general rule is when we enter a conversation with other people here um, we, we sit back and we listen before we start opening our beak to figure out, you know, where is this going? Where's people coming from and get a little bit of social intelligence before you just dive right in. Like, you know, you own the group. Right. And, and there's nothing worse than the guy who thinks he knows it all. And I'm here, I've got more information on this than everybody around this table. That's annoying. And yet here, that's exactly what we do sometimes when we go to disciple people or, or we're so busy at church five nights a week in preparation for the church stuff, but we know we got to do yeah something evangelistic. So we invite them over to our house and we don't have a real conversation because we've already decided everything that we want to tell them before they arrive there. So there's really no exactly. conversation or communication. 
it's bringing them here, give them, give them, give them a precursory, uh, listen to, and then, and then st- uh, say and state what you would already plan for the last five days that you're going to say to them. And, uh, that, you know what I mean? That's, that's not, that's not organic dialogue. That's, that's, that's buckshot at somebody who's unaware in, in, in the duck pond. <laughs> and I think that's something that's a problem with Westerners, you know, like in, in some cultures, okay, you need a, how's your family? Mm-hmm. You know, it's Westerner would consider all that stuff slow, tedious. Yeah. And, but you go through that because it kind of, okay, well, how are, how are things with you? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And yeah. you kind of have all these preliminaries. Yeah. In the West, we're just like, boom, boom, boom. boom. It's like a salesperson coming yeah. in and yeah. saying, well, you need to buy this model. Here are the things of the model. And, you know, mm-hmm. okay, sign up. Yeah. And, 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 and asking those questions like in Molly, like, how's your family? How's the children? How's your parents doing? Instead of making it a pre-functionary cultural thing that's meaningless is, is look at our own heart and our own mind so that when we ask those questions, it's because we have a vested interest. We really care. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, uh, anyway. I have the interlinear up now that the. Yeah. That, so you got the interlinear you're up finally. Yeah. Because, okay. again, you know, you go back to look at the Greek and stuff. Yeah. I just realized I had my fan on. I had slipped over and turned it off. It would be, be a hum here for the last five minutes. But anyway. So you're looking at First Corinthians yeah. 9, 19? Uh, uh, 20 to 23, yeah, around there. 20 to 23? Mm-hmm. But but you know I I liked all the 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 word all there in English and this this is this would be the ESV translation, but I become all right. things, all people, by all means that I could save some, uh, I do it all for the sake of the gospel and so so the motivation right the motivation between all of this is the sake of the gospel, uh, you know I what become verse a Jew. Did you just read? Oh, uh, that's that that uh, would be verse twenty two, First Corinthians nine twenty two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tw- uh, it starts at 20, uh, where he says, uh, to the Jew, I became a Jew in order to reach Jews. Okay. And then to, uh, to those outside the law as one, uh, outside the law, verse 21, verse 22, to the weak, I became weak. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he states that again. Why, why did he become a Jew to Jews? Why did he become an outside the law to a person outside the law? Why did he become like a weak person for the weak person is that, I, that, that I might win the weak verse 22. So the purpose is there. And then he goes and he, he kind of restates it again. Right. So we got, we got that triad, the Jew, the Gentile, the weak that I might, uh, you know, that I might uh, reach them, win them verse 22. And then, then we see this thing. I become all things to all people that by all means that three, that triad again, why that I can save some in verse 22. And then in verse 23, he says, I do it all, all of that, all of that identifying with Jews, all of that identifying and living and immersing myself with the Gentiles, uh, going into the weak and the uneducated and the poor, not as if I'm some superior, mighty scholar. I do all right. of that. Why? I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Share, not not share it to them, but he says, I will share, uh, uh, that I will share with them in the blessing. He sees himself immersed into that community. And I find that, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. Exactly. And not, you know, just glancing at this, like verse 19, Mm -hmm. you know, free for being from all to all myself, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the parenthesis, if you will, in the Greek, the ek pantone, 
Pasin, right? Because then you kind of have that at verse twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Panta, once again, you know, he's kind of wrapping up, and all throughout you have this yeah. repetition, like you said, yeah, that the he's panta. using. Yeah, it goes back to the Great Commission, the Panta Ta Ethni, the, to all yeah. you know, go go, uh, you make disciples of all nations. Panta Panta, and 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 yeah, that's interesting. You point that out. See that all 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 is the same thing as as the command in the Great Commission. All 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 all, it's there. Exactly. So, and so I, I think that's something that we need to. That's what's missing because mm. we only want our tribe. We yeah. only want our crowd. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's interesting. I know I'm jumping ahead too, but uh, but you know he he deals with the whole idea of meat sacrificed idols and all this stuff there later. But uh, when you get over into chapter ten, his conclusion on the very ver- last verse of chapter ten is interesting. You know he's talking about whether to eat meat or not eat meat, and under the circumstances of when you should and shouldn't. And I'm, I don't want to get into that, but he makes this statement. Now this is an interesting. He's and this is the ESV. He says, "I try to please everyone in everything." I do, uh, or, uh, I do not seek my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, you know, he's trying to please everyone, not not to be a pleaser, but why be offensive yeah. to people that you're trying to save, that you want to share the gospel with? Why be offensive? I'm not trying to please everyone. Uh, I am not seeking my own advantage, but. That of many. I'm seeking the advantage of many. And what is the advantage of many? How do we get an advantage of many? That they may be saved. And uh, so, okay, you know, I got I got a little little epiphany here. Go uh, again. All right. So, reading background studies because background got to know the background. Got to know the background. Okay. Right in Roman culture, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that helped run the Roman country was this importation of slaves. Yeah. You know, they would de- defeat people. They were constantly defeating people, sending back because that's—I mean—that's how they paid for stuff. They basically robbed it from the people that they conquered. But then these slaves would be coming mm-hmm. to Rome as captives, and and if you think about this, because the church really took off among the slaves. Mm-hmm. So already in Rome, among the people that are going to hear this gospel are going to be these multitudes of people of def- different ethnicity mm-hmm. because they would have been lumped together as just slaves. Yeah. And and if you think about it, this, this Eastern message, because that's what they thought it was, was this Eastern mystic message and stuff, and, it, and he starts talking about all people. I think in a, in a class where most people probably were slaves – I mean, think about the implications of how powerful this message would be Mm. and this language that he's giving that all people for all, you know, and I become all things. I mean, that's really what a slave does. Yeah. They have to do whatever the master wants them (laughs) to do. Yeah. But the new reality isn't for the person that you're actually, you know, yes, you obey that person, but this is a higher reality. Yeah. It's God himself that you're doing this for. And all of a sudden, I see a connectiveness in which this message would be very powerful for people who are the out, you know, they're not they're not the the main people. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Of the society of the culture. Yeah, it's interesting. Like like how many within the slave class became Christians? Right, these poor people, the richer people in Corinthians, you know, were going and eating the meals and not waiting for the poor slaves who had to work and couldn't go until after their work was done. They came in, there'd be no food left and whatever else because the rich people who have time were pigging out or whatever. I was reading the other day that. Um, 
that uh, any Roman patron who invited his people to who who helped supported his power and influence in Rome to his table to eat when they when they invited uh, his patron or the patron invited in his clients for a meal which was a very cultural thing to gain influence and respect in Rome that uh, that everybody who came had to bring their slave to serve them at the table. Can exactly. You, yeah, can you imagine that? And the interesting thing is, is what what conversations in the Empire of Rome were slaves who were Christians heard at the table of these powerful Roman people? And I and I think of the time like yeah, like you know Rome expanding even even into Scotland and England like Hadrian's Wall, and I, and it was good number of years ago. Uh, you know the, the the Roman Wall, the Hadrian's Wall to protect from the people in the north yeah. coming south, and uh, it, and it was in that area somewhere there 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 were. Even when the Romans went there, they took uh, their slaves with them as their servants and cooks and whatever else. Yeah. And uh, in this, in uh, in one of the slave quarters where that where the Romans kept their slaves at night or whatever was inscribed the the ichthus on the wall: Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior in the slave quarters. Right. And so there, those slaves are taken all over the Roman Empire as, as missionaries. Like w- the opportunities yeah. that they had to speak would have been would have been incredible. Either you, you jump in and you're on God's side to help reach people, all people, for, mm-hmm. for the gospel and, and for God, or you're forced to, and you get to do it as a slave. Yeah. Well, uh, that's historically how it seems to prove out. If you don't reach the people around you, they'll conquer you and use you. But you know what? You know, here's here's a way to have safety as a nation, as, uh, as, as, a, as a people who just want to live godly, quiet lives so that the government and other people aren't bothering us. Here's what you do is if you want China to stop spying on our infrastructure or whatever else, or Russia meddling in our elections and whatever else here and even in Canada, uh, you know, you know what the best uh, avenue is that is convert them all to Christians so that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and family. Uh, you know what I mean? And now we don't have to stab each other in the back. So, but yeah. not sure how that works. So, you know, uh, because uh, keep in mind that the, the Russian uh, empire uh, converted to Christianity through the Greek Orthodox Church, right? So to yeah. say that they aren't Christian today is not very. Um, I don't. I think I, a safer way to say it is not convert them. Yeah, it's just you're sharing, you're sowing seed, you're mm-hmm. sharing gospel, and God does the rest. Yeah, He makes it and, grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that that's the thing about uh, about a lot of things we do. See, when we do our vision statements and our program plans and and our evangelism outreaches in church, we've already got the outcome already decided. We're going to go do this, and this is the fruit that we want to see. This is the fruit that will happen if you do this, then this, right? And that's and a, you've automatically put those people into the category that they need your help. Yeah. Yeah. And that is going to insult them. Yeah, definitely. And here's the other thing is, is it, it, it's, uh, it's saying that we, we, we have means and mechanisms that will guarantee a, a fixed result. And that's, that's, if, if there's anything the Western church has in our, in our ethos that, that I don't see so much in, in less developed countries is that, that we have the power by, you know, we have marketing scans. We know there's certain ways in psychology and philosophy, the mind works and we can trigger that if we do this kind of commercial for GM, more people yeah. will buy our truck because we're hitting a, a primal mechanism in their brain that's triggered when they see this or whatever. Like, like we, we grew up in that stuff, whether we realized it or not. And we think that we're going to do this. And so the end result is going to be this. And yeah. aren't we good? We did this and look at how our church grew. Yeah. So let me tell you. And, and what is, what does the Bible say? Who made it grow? God it, makes it Yeah, God grow. made it grow. Okay. So, so 
we are getting rid of God. We're putting ourselves in that place. And then we get upset or we're confused when nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, see, see, I, I look at ministries as, as stair, stair steps, and that's the way I looked at mission work. And, uh, you know, when you see fruit, uh, never, never pat yourself on the back and say, look at how much better I did than the guy before me. No, it's a 16 step steps to the top floor. And uh, the, the three preachers ago and three leaderships ago, they, they, they got this community of people to step two or three and the following guy got them to step six and the following guy got them to step 15. Yeah. And then I come along at step 15 and, and at 16, a whole movement comes to the, comes to the second floor and we go, Oh my gosh, he's such an amazing guy. And, and, and every one of us have to sit back and go, Nope wasn't me, man. I was just one step of the stairs that, that, and I exactly. just happened to be here for the harvest. And, and I think that's our frustration in this culture is, is see, we, we, uh, we have a harvest mentality, uh, without sowing, you know, we, yeah. we, we think that, you know, that everybody's a harvester and not everybody's a harvester. Not every community is a harvest community. Not every time is a harvest time. Not every. Well, I think culturally there, there are times when you can sow seed Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do because yeah. culturally they're not ready for a gospel. Yeah. Then there are times when you can harvest. Yeah. And yeah. and I think we are transitioning back to a time where mm-hmm. the best we could probably do, especially in, in a world where in the Western world mm-hmm. where we have everything, people aren't interested yeah. in God. Yeah. We're comfortable, very comfortable. Yeah. And uh, everything's going smooth. Everything's going good until well, until COVID nineteen comes along. Maybe, may, maybe now is an opportunity. That's maybe you know maybe uh, that's, well, that's why I think we need to sow the seed now because yeah. then people might yeah. listen mm-hmm. and hear because it's only in times of trouble that they get serious. Yeah, in, in in all of these online videos, like like we talked about in the another episode, ten times more people tuned into a live feeds from coming from little tiny local churches than they ever had at sitting in the pew in, in attendance. And uh, so 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 may, maybe you know maybe this is just a seed time where they go. Well, I'm not ready to plug in with that kind of community. I'm not going in that building. But but you know the, at least we're sowing the seed. It's picking rocks even sometimes before we sow the seed, right? And, and I. And, you know, in other uh, cultures, like where I was with Islam, well, you know what? You don't even have to talk about sowing seed in some villages because what you got to do first is, is you can't sow seed. You got to make the field. You got to pick up all the rocks and take out all the old tree roots before you can even sow because they yeah. just think Christians are crazy and despise them. And, uh, yeah. and so there's rock you picking stage. break down stage. those barriers, those false images of what a Christian is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, as people tune into all these live services, what they're seeing is, is, you know what, these people aren't bonkers. They're not all a bunch of rock heads. You know, they're not all a bunch of tangled root heads that are, that are crazy and out of touch with life. And, uh, and then after that, maybe we'll get to the place where we can, can sow a little seed with, but you know, you, you've seen it, Tom, we, we went oh, back yeah. to the drawing board and tried to re-educate ourselves on how to build relationships with people. And we're relearning how, how to just be a relational person and make friends in a relaxed and way that doesn't come across as corny and goofy and, and socially inept. Canned. And, uh, and then, and then, you know, and then once we get there, we, we, we start meeting a few people and it's like, okay, I can't even say anything yet. They don't want to hear anything yet. We're still rock no. picking. We're still rock picking. And, yeah, and, and we don't want it. We, we don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> 
you rock it. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're the rock is uh, the block is. We are. Uh, and, no, and yeah. we just assume it's it's what we have mm. is what they need. <laughs> and again, it's like talking to someone and God may be telling that person because this is why you ask yeah. someone, well, what's God telling you? Yeah. God may be saying, you know what? You need to quit gossiping. Yeah. And here we're trying to get their marriage back together. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so we're bringing this giant wrench to something that we don't need. We just need a little screwdriver, you know, just to to tighten a little screw over here. (laughs) And we're trying to over-engineer things because we think we know what's right. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you've just put yourself in God's position. And yeah. God tells us not to do well, that. Well, our great arrogance is, is we think that we know the order that God wants things to be addressed and done in. And so when they don't see this as a priority right now, we go, oh, well, they're not interested. No, exactly. maybe, maybe God's working on them in a different order. And you need to get off your little hobby subject and see where the fingerprints of God are, where, where he is moving and identify that and say, I think I see God working in your life here. Instead of saying, you need to take care of this and God wants you to take care of okay. yeah. Well, they're here to, they've got a Christian friend they're putting up with. So that already says something that, that there, there is a, there's a, there's a barrier that's down. We don't know yeah. what that means yet, but obviously they're, they're not, they haven't run away from us as Christians and former preachers and stuff like most people do. So we have an opportunity. So let's not flub it up by, by, by bringing up what we think that they want to hear or have to talk about and listen a little bit and see, okay, why, why have they even opened this possibility up for us to be in relationship when most people run away? And, uh, exactly. you know, uh, so, so God's got to be doing something. You know what I think we should do, man? Uh, Les, Dr. Les Harden from, uh, from, uh, Johnson university, professor Florida, and author, yeah. Florida. Uh, he's willing to come online with us. I think we should wrap this up and, uh, maybe, maybe Quit being rockheads ourselves. Yeah. They don't need to hear us. Let's, let's get an intelligent guy on the service there. You know, our, our resident refusing rabbi. And, uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get him online and, uh, and, uh, we'll do it, do another episode. Sound good, man. Sounds good. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We'll catch you on the flip side. Shammai was approached by a guy who's asking the exact same question. And nobody tells the story that the Talmud says that next, Shammai beats the man with a stick. (laughs) What circumcision? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. First time I asked mom what a virgin was, and all the adults in the kitchen went silent. But what kind of surgeon? uh, A rocket surgeon. Very excited about that. <laughs> we want you to be our rabbi. Well, okay. Rabbi Herding. Jesus told me I'm not to insist that they call me rabbi. Oh, okay. Are you still here? You must be a real sucker for punishment. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Humanitarian podcast today. Check out our website at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca or check us out on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us and leave us a good rating on your favorite podcast subscriber. And please, whatever you do, Tell all your crazy friends about this podcast. Ooh, yeah.